Support for Noble and Rouge is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for Noble & Roosh listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code GNR at manscaped.com. That's GNR at manscaped.com. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. How you doing, Zach? Dude, it's been months, days, years, and now it feels like it, but just happy to be behind a mic and be looking at square in the gourd once again um, i've literally yeah. been just going once or twice a week to go shoot hoops outside by myself so i can't wait to get back inside playing some threes or fives even those are going to be the days but um no i'm i'm wearing this kobe bryant high school jersey right now lower marion because this is was going to be my most important weekend of my life i've had this plan for years but they screwed me over by moving it to may and they normally do it in like july or august so i was all playing on going for this for years and now i'm not going to be able to go to the introduction uh induction ceremony out in oh, springfield mass yeah i had you were you were gonna go I, yeah dude i had a hookup too to get tickets and everything i was all set to go because kg man i wasn't gonna miss it for the world um i've been to, i've been to the hall of fame there i saw uh, who was it? Fucking like the Kemby Matumbo and Calipari and um, I don't know, like Teresa Witherspoon or something like that. Nothing, nothing too great. But I mean, it was still fun when I was out there. I just went to some uh, random year I was living out there and um, always said I was going to make it to KG. So this is going to be a tough weekend for me, but I'm super stoked for those speeches and MJ just he's going to be letting it all out for Kobe. It's going to be amazing. That will be something, know. man. That will be something. Rest in peace to uh, Kobe Bryant. Who, who would you say you're more anticipating KG speech or MJ speech about Kobe? Oh, by far, Mike, Michael Jordan, by far. Um, MJ is my favorite player of all time. So to hear him speak about Kobe specifically, obviously given the circumstances will be special period. So I'm excited for that. Um, obviously I'm not excited. Yeah, it's an all-time class. Add Tim I'm Duncan ex- in there as well. I'm not excited that, you know, he has to talk about Kobe after he's passed, but you know, um, but Hey, regardless, man, it feels good to, to be back. We've been gone for a minute. We've been busy with life. Um, the NBA has been a little funny too, if we're keeping it all the way real. Um, I'm kind of glad that the COVID season is coming to an end. I'm ready for the playoffs. I'm ready for the play in, which I think has been, you know, really exciting kind of seeing like how things are, are going to turn out coming down, coming down the wire. Uh, even tonight, as we record this, AD and LeBron are sitting out playing the Rockets, probably going to beat the Rockets, but if they lose that game, I think things get very interesting because you might have the Lakers in the play-in against the Warriors. and So we're going to see. Um, and with that said, man, let's talk, let's talk regular season. Let's talk about some of the surprises um, that we've seen this season. I was going to start it off, um, and I was going to go with the Knicks. I think that's like on everyone's list. I don't think anyone expected these Knicks to do what they're doing. I think we all kind of rolled our eyes when they hired Thibodeau. I think we further rolled our eyes when Thibodeau got the band back together and brought, you know, Taj Gibson in, traded for Derrick Rose, all that. But you've got to give him credit. He's, he's got the team bought in. He's got them playing pretty good basketball. Um, I don't know where pretty they are good, right man. Now. They were down to the four seed, almost creeping up to the – three seed a couple weeks ago i mean this is bonkers i mean what what surprised you the most let's be honest because uh i'm just gonna tell you i i've been higher on the knicks for the past few years i've been wrong about them they've underperformed for me even last year i had them borderline playoffs but um 
I've, I've always been high on Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. Um, I had R.J. number two in my uh, pre-draft before Ja. And, yeah, I'm, I'm on Team Ja now, but I think there's a great chance. I, I'm almost um, 60-40 now um, between who's going to have a better career between Ja and R.J. Uh, but I think they, they have the pieces. Um, the only thing that's really surprised me about Julius Randle, like I've always expected this, Julius Randle. I really have. Um, it's just the three-point shot coming this quickly. Um, I thought we'd hit like 37, 38% off this volume for a little bit, but to jump to 40, 41 where he's been all year and then doing it on the defensive side, like he was locking up AD last night in crucial possessions, making it look like a 90s game. And that was the big debate. Did we like that style of play last night? Um, did we like the vintage 90s throwback game? And I freaking loved it, man. I like grinding for possessions. I just like differentiality from time to time. You know, I like switching things up. I like watching the shitty Spurs from time to time. The Kings struggle. Like, I'm just weird like that. I, I get sick and tired of the same run and gun, no structured basketball, just flow you know that's why i like when teams suck and muck it up so i really enjoyed it man yeah unpredictability caused by good defense is fun maybe i'm in the minority maybe we're in the minority i love the 90s games i love scrapping it out i love when teams are just clawing it out and a bucket is scarce and when you get one it feels like you know you came up for some water after being down um what surprised me the most i'm with you all the way man i believed in julius randall from day one He's a hell of a basketball player. He's got a tremendous size and incredible skill to go with that. Um, and the, the three-point shot is what's, what surprised me the most about him. I just never thought he'd be this good of a three-point shooter um, for this. You know, he sustained it all season, right? So I, I didn't see that coming. Um, in addition to that, I, I was not like you. I was not high on R.J. Barrett personally, which kind of sucks because it's like he's a kid, you know. And so for me to even say that out loud, right. it's like, you know, it's like, like well, what the hell was I even – evaluating you know he's too young to really even evaluate like if someone was to say oh i'm down on kevin porter jr first thing i would say would be he's 20 21 like what are you talking about so i apply that same criticism to me um it, it's cool to see rj barrett turning into a really good player um and the type of player that the knicks maybe can can build around in the future i think it's awesome i'm just happy to see the knicks good i think the nba is more fun when the knicks are good and then further the the Derrick Rose trade, I just, you know, I like Derrick Rose. Mm. I think I think he's a good individual player. I just I felt like he's kind of been at the point in his career where, you know, even when he does well individually, it doesn't necessarily enhance the team. Like that's how I felt about him in Minnesota. Detroit's kind of a black hole these days for basketball. So when they traded for him, I was like, wow, you know, you got quickly who's coming up, promising. And now you're going to take minutes away from him for Derrick Rose, like classic Thibodeau move. I, you know, and I tweeted something to the effect of, if I was a Knicks fan, I would be pissed off about this. And it turns out I was wrong <laughs> because it's working for them. So I think both of those things uh, are very surprising. And it's, like I said, it's just cool to see the Knicks playing good basketball, being relevant, being competitive. Um, so, yeah. Dude, I've... <laughs> I'm completely with you on the fact that when the Knicks are better, the NBA is more fun just because their fan base is so strong and strength in numbers and just the garden. I mean, I love to hear it rocking and it's even as loud as anybody when there's that third capacity right now. So, um, yeah, I, I want it. I prefer it all the time. And to be honest, if you would have told me the Knicks were going to be the sixth seed before the year in a COVID year where we we're expecting a lot of injuries, but yeah, I can't expect this many injuries, but yeah, yeah I wouldn't have been shocked. I really wouldn't have. Uh, but if you would have told me they were going to have a top three defense with this freaking roster and RJ Barrett was looking literally like a really stealth, like solid defender, uh, Julius Randall, almost like all defense type type guys like i would say hell no it, it, would, it would have been mind-blowing to me um but yeah that's where we're at right now they're literally given up they've literally given up the fewest points in the entire league um and defensive rating they're at three right now so yeah there's literally i mean derrick rose 
I think he's always been better than everybody's made him out to be the last few years. And uh, look at this, Julius Randle, I mean, per 36, um, the last few years has been from 21 to 23 points. Like people just think about him as a ball stopper and they didn't like him because he wasn't a great floor spacer and they didn't fit the typical mold of today's NBA. Um, I don't blame people, but I think he was being overlooked the past few years. I really do. And that's why I've always been higher on him. Um, let's talk about Julius Randall's old team who I thought coming in, um, had a really promising roster before the year. Um, and this was like going back even before the drew holiday trade, the new Orleans Pelicans, like I thought the Pelicans were almost a for sure playing team. Okay. They're, they're still got a chance. I think they might've got eliminated tonight or can get eliminated tonight. Uh, but I expected them to be at least 500 or better this year. They're one of the more disappointing teams because they've actually been pretty healthy with brand Ingram and Zion, but that fit has been absolutely putrid and Stan Van Gundy. What the hell has he done all year? What is, what has he done? Like, I have not been impressed whatsoever. And if they canned him this off season, it wouldn't make me mad or disappointed. It's just, they literally got to clean that entire roster up in my opinion and just build around Zion. Brand Ingram, his numbers went up this year. I mean, he averaged 23.9 points, still played in 61 games, only missed um, like seven, eight games so far this year. And they were below like eight games below 500 most of the year they played. Yes, I blame a lot of that on Eric Bledsoe for just being a team ruiner every, every stop he goes. But what do, you, what do you think of New Orleans situation? Because they were one of my biggest surprises on how poorly they did, especially with how well Zion played. He put it up, honestly, a historical year for a year two guy. It was. I mean, his field goal percentages for averaging 28 points per game. Yeah, I mean, I was not high on them. I wasn't low on them. I just thought they were a coin flip to make the play the plan because um, Zion's year two, yes, he's playing phenomenally, but there's a difference between individual greatness and, you know, the team being good. Um, Steven Adams, you know, on that contract, I don't know why they extended him the way they did. I have no idea. Um, you know, great, like, fan favorite type player, just not – in today's NBA, a guy like Steven Adams, I, th I think would be useful as like a backup for like spot matchups and situations. And Eric Bledsoe, man, you said it. Bledsoe's just not, not a winning basketball player in my Never opinion. Never liked him. <laughs> I mean, I don't dislike him. I just wouldn't want him on my team, you know? Uh, you know, I just don't think he's, the, he's, he's a guard. He's an undersized two. He's not a real point guard. He can't really shoot the way that he needs to be able to shoot in order to be as effective as you'd want him to be. Um, you know, he's good defensively, but he's just not, just not the guy. Um, and then I where, thought the G where can he have success in your opinion? Like where would, where would your Eric Bledsoe fit in the NBA? Because yes, I do think he's an NBA player, but I think he needs to be like a six through eight guy on a really, really loaded team. You know, of course he's an NBA player. I'm not saying he's not an NBA player. It just, he's just not a, you know, a winning NBA player. Um, I don't know, man. On a team with LeBron. That's not a guy. Right. Exactly. It needs to be with clutch sports over in LA where, or, I mean, like Giannis, they covered him up very well and they were able to make it work. Uh, I was also going to say just, that the, um, the JJ Reddick signing just never made sense to me on that team. Um, man, so I just thought. Spacing and need, needed shooting. Yeah, you need spacing, but you need a certain type of spacing. They didn't need, you know, a guy to run around off screens and pop open type spacing. They need like catch and shoot, you know, spot up in the corner type, type spacing, in my opinion. Um, and Lonzo's had a pretty good year. Um, look, man, they, when, when Lonzo and Bledsoe are playing well and on from three together, they win. And when they're not, they lose. Um, and I think most of that's on Bledsoe. But, but yeah, you know, just growing pains, young team, poor fit, poor contracts. Um, I just wasn't that high on them. I don't, I don't, I don't really even really think there's like much to discuss when it comes to them. I think I, th I wouldn't get rid of Ingram. You know, I think Ingram and Zion definitely have potential. Um, I would just look at, you really believe in that, huh? I mean, I think it's just too early to tell, 
You know, I, th- I think it's the just problem- Ingram operates out of the mid range so much. They're just freaking mush, dude. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Um, but I just think it's too early to tell. And I think I would first look to diagnose the issues around them before I start blowing up one of those two because it's a solid core on paper. In yeah, I mean, you got two all star players that still should have a ways to go, but. And maybe they um, need a better coach, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I'm saying I would look at everything other than yeah. Zion and Ingram first, sure. and then, and then maybe you start considering moving Ingram. Um, I wanted to. Bring yeah, I'm on, I'm on team team all blow it up. And that's all. That's the last <laughs> thing I'm going to say. The New Orleans Pelicans, but yes, I agree. I mean, you try to move all the mush of Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart's anything with value. You can move around them to add spacing to those two and see what you can do, but. I'm all for moving um, Brandon Ingram when it gets down to it. What's your next surprise? My next one is the Boston Celtics. I thought Boston mm. was going to be good. I thought they were going to be really good, especially I thought Tatum would take another leap. Um, I did not expect Jalen Brown to take the leap that he's taken. And so it's, it's like doubly surprising <laughs> that, they're, that they're not good. And Jalen Brown has been playing this good. Um, doesn't make sense at all to me personally. You know, some of the moves that Ainge has made, has basically relieved them of any depth that they've had over the years, unfortunately. Um, I thought Tristan Thompson would, would make a bigger impact than he has. Moving Daniel Tice, I think, is problematic. I think getting Evan, I thought getting Evan Fournier would help, kind of just give them like a mercenary type scorer, at least on occasion off the bench. That hasn't really been happening or coming to fruition the way that we thought, just all around. It's been half and half. Half and half, but like I thought he was going to kind of plug in and, you know, give them that that individual scoring that they've been kind of lacking. And then obviously Kemba's been hurt and in and out and not playing the way you'd want them to play. They're just kind of all over the place, you know, um, they're over the years they've clicked. They've had good chemistry. There have been years where they just don't go away and they're good and they play well in the playoffs and they make runs to the conference finals, you know, but it just kind of seemed like this year wasn't the year. And maybe, and again, I, I want to put a caveat on everything we're talking about, including the Pelicans and that, that fit and all that, because it's a COVID year and it's just weird. It's just not a normal year. And it's so obvious that it's not a normal year. So, but yeah, man, the Celtics, um, I, you know, if you go back and listen to our preseason shows, I was really high on Boston. I had a Tatum top five yes, MVP sir. candidate. I had Boston top three in the East contending. And clearly that's not going to happen. I was still holding out hope that Boston would be a very dangerous, like six through eight seed type of team. You're not going to want to see in the first round, but um, with Jalen Brown being out, that just changes drastically. So Boston's a complete pass for me. Like people call me, give me a cop out, but here's the thing. They had great stretches at times. Um, they were, they're one of the few teams, like one of the few, I should say many teams that get a complete pass for, for the COVID because let's be honest, Jalen Brown's played 58 games, Tristan Thompson, 53, um, Mark Kemba Walker, 43, Marcus Smart, 48 games. This is out of, I mean, we're out of 68 right now. Okay. There's guys missing 20 plus games, literally Jason Tatum and Peyton Pritchard are the only guys, and they've missed five to seven games each, okay? That whole team's been diminished. So Boston gets a complete pass. Brad Stevens, don't even think about putting his name in the hot seat like I've seen it. Um, not much to talk about there. The only thing I'm going to say uh, for Evan Fournier, the last five games, okay, out of 34 minutes per game, he's shooting 62 from the field, 62% from three off seven attempts, 75 from the line, four boards, five assists, a steal and a block, 21 points, okay? Dude's on a heater the last five, and that's because he's been healthy. He struggled the first couple games getting back, um, but and he's needed. Evan Fournier is getting getting his way into a lucrative deal. I hope Boston doesn't give him the house here um, because if he keeps finishing with these numbers, it might be one of those scary 10-game sample sizes here that are just going to send the world flying. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's going to be a nice one to visit this offseason. But I don't know. If he could finish with a 10-game stretch of shooting above 60% from three, yikes. 
<laughs> Somebody's got to bite. I, I could see a 15, 20 million dollar. Hey, I mean, Gravin. Hey, he might take up the market. He might take up the spot on the market that is now <laughs> being left by uh, Victor Oladipo, uh, yeah. who, may not, who may not get the deal he was seeking. So, any last surprises before we move on? So, moving on from the Pelicans, I mean, the Pelicans, the Celtics. Um, one thing that shocked me is Lloyd Pierce getting canned um, midway through the season. I thought with this roster, anybody honestly could have coached this team the way they were going to improve. And I, I thought wrong on that. I mean, me and Roosh were both really high on the Hawks coming in. Um, I think I had them at like six um, before the year. And yeah, I mean, it worked out that way. But um, the fact that he got canned halfway through the year, Nate McMillan, I thought he was going to be able to help as the assistant coach. But shit, the dude did wonders. He literally put this team in the top top five the rest of the year when he took over. Um, this this Hawks team, people call me crazy all the time. I've been on the timeline saying they have what it takes to win a title on their roster. It's just they got to develop them. Um, we'll see if they get to where I think they're going to be. But Atlanta, I, I just absolutely love this team. They were down 13 tonight with seven minutes to go against the Wizards. Russell's going off. And then they just start throwing up bricks. The Russell Westbrook brick house came out to play. And it all went crumbling down, and they ended up winning the game by four. Typical, hate saying this. I hate saying this. This is the staple of Russell Westbrook. Yes, his teammates are terrible, too. I mean, Davis Bertans, I don't know how many he missed there to finish the game, but um, Alex Lund couldn't put back anything. It, it, was, it was just hilarious to watch. But I think Atlanta's not going to be an easy out already. I mean, Clint Capella is up for all defense. He should make the team this year. It's going to be close. Uh, but Clint Capella, I mean, he's going to get some all-NBA nuts. He's been that good. It's been so much fun, though. What, what are your thoughts on Atlanta? Um, I'm not shocked as far as Lloyd Pierce goes. Um, so the Rockets were... Nate McMillan was in contention to be an assistant for the Rockets, and I was really high on that hire. I liked it. You know, he's like a structure kind of guy, good defensive coach, just has success, not necessarily going to win you a championship or even maybe having you contend legitimately, um, you know, but he'll have you as, as a solid 4-5 seed. And so when he went to the Hawks, I thought, okay, the reason he's going to the Hawks is because he sees an opportunity. And that opportunity is exactly what happened. Lloyd Pierce may get canned and then Nate McMillan might be next in line to take over and revitalize. And that is literally what has happened. So shout out to Nate McMillan. He, I mean, he's a good, good NBA head coach. Doesn't surprise me at all. I disagree with your take that this roster as is, is good enough to win a title. I don't think that's the case at all. I think Trey's going to need a legitimate running mate. I don't think John Collins is that yet at least, but they have talent. They are a tough, they're going to be a tough out. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to play the Hawks in the first round if I was in the East. Capella, I'm a big Capella fan for, for obvious reasons. They got some vets. Um, Gallinari, obviously. Lou Williams is an interesting addition. He typically does not perform well in the playoffs, um, but an interesting addition nonetheless. You know, Huerter, Bogdanovich has moments where he does, you know, where he scores and shows you exactly what he can do. Um, and obviously they have Trey Young. So I think so the Hawks let me, are going gonna... to... Let me back up this take. Uh, so basically, where I see DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Onyeko Kongwu, where these guys are going, and they got, they got everything you need to form a cohesive unit and a team, and these guys fit perfectly together. Um, literally, right now, right now, I think Trey Young has more talent around him than James Harden's ever had in his career more than besides Brooklyn, obviously, besides Brooklyn, more than like KG ever had in Minnesota, uh, more than Dame Lillard's ever had. Um, but yes, Trey is obviously not those guys I'm mentioning. I'm just saying if Trey becomes one of those guys, becomes a top seven player, which I think he can, but yeah, I'm mentioning top five, top three guys. Um, if Trey just becomes a top seven guy, that's how, that's how they do it. I mean, the, the rest is in... Um, the development, yes, I could be completely off on my development assessments of these guys. Um, DeAndre Hunter becoming an all-defense all type guy. Um, 
Cam Reddish being another wing stopper. I mean, being able to help out with that. But, um, yeah, I, the list goes on with star players having less talent around them and doing that. It's just, is Trey Young ever going to get to that that level? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, look, they could make a run to, like, the conference finals, but I don't think they're contending as hey, is. you believe that, that's all I need, baby. I mean, somebody the, the East is wide open, and then that's kind of the reason, right? Like, Oh, I'm not saying this year either. Don't get it twisted. Well, I'm just saying in general. I mean, they made a yeah. lot of, like, you know, a lot of signings that high-profile type signings, right? When, when they made those moves, people were thinking, oh, Atlanta might be for real. Um, and I think they're, they're filling out exactly as we'd expect. Trey Young, great talent. John Collins, pretty solid talent. Um, young guys, Reddish, Huerter, Bogdanovich. You know, you just Capella, you got guys that can play. Young talent. What is their ceiling? I think a conference finals run is their ceiling as constructed. Will they hit that? I don't think so this year. Definitely, definitely not this year, in my opinion, unless injuries take place. Um, but yeah, but, but that being said, I don't think they're a surprise. I think they're on track to be exactly where they are so far um yeah the only way they're getting getting past is if um they're not getting past the box they're completely healthy so i mean harden would have to go down um uh, durant would have to go down and be one of those down. Deals. right so without any of that happening yeah. i mean i think the gap between the the top three in the east and the rest of the east is pretty significant so without injuries i just don't see a team like atlanta beating one of those top three teams to get to the conference finals but we'll see um let's do let's see let's do one maybe two more surprises on the season yeah one or should i go again well you have one that i know i'll take the one that you were going to say because i think we share this one um the charlotte hornets the charlotte hornets have been awesome awesome to watch tons of fun um miles bridges every freaking play i love that guy yeah they have miles yeah anyways miles bridges is the best dunker of the season in my opinion um lamello ball i mean look i've been high on lamello ball and to see him this good this early is it's, it's just awesome and then shout out to terry rogier man look when charlotte made that trade and they took terry rogier and let kimba go i think a lot of people we're thinking, oh, here's another cheap Michael Jordan owner move. You know, like, what are they doing? And I think Charlotte won that trade. Um, Terry mm-hmm. Rogier has nights where he just goes ballistic, you know? So they're just a lot of fun. Um, Rogier, LaMelo, Bridges, like, they are, they're getting it done. I mean, they're going to be a play-in team. They may or may not actually make the playoffs. They might lose in the play-in. They still got some ways to go. Hayward's been playing pretty well as well. Um, but it's just fun. It's just fun to see Charlotte back their retro court or not their retro court, but their whatever alternate city court, whatever you want to call it. Their court is fun. Their jerseys are fun. The buzz city stuff. They're just fun. Um, and it kind of reminds me of when Charlotte was fun back in the day, you know, Muggsy Bogues, Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, like those teams, Del Curry before Steph Curry, those teams were fun, man. And Charlotte, the, the Hornets franchise from like the logo to the court, even back in the day, they had a, a really awesome court. It's just cool to see them back. So that has been surprising to me. I hope it's not a one-off this season. I hope they build on it and continue to grow. And with LaMelo, who I think has legitimate star power, um, I think they're on track you know, to, to really develop into a fun team that, that continues to maybe not contend, but you know, they, could, they could be like a four or five seed, I could see, in the years to come. Yeah, so for me, Charlotte... If you would have told me this was their record before the year and they'd been in this contention, the eighth, seventh, eighth seed, wouldn't have shocked me. I expected them to be here. But then you go look at May 12th, where we're at today, and looking over who's played and how much, hell no. I would not have thought they would be in the position they are today. Like They have just winning players, and they're just competing night in and night out. Gordon Hayward's played 44 games. He's going to end up missing basically 30 games on the year. Cody Zeller, their best big man, um, he's going to miss 25 to 30 games. LaMelo, it just, he's played 48 games this year. And then you go all the way up to Terry Rozier, who's played the most. He's missed two or three games. Then Miles Bridges, who's missed five games. And it just tanks from that point on. And 
no matter the product they put out there, they found guys to get their 20 points, whoever it may be that night, whether it's PJ Washington, Bismack Biombo get his 15 or so that they needed Terry Rozier to go for 40 plus multiple nights. But yeah, um, I hope this team's there to stay. I think they got guys they're going to keep around. It's just that center spot has been the same issue all the way through Kemba's tenure with the team. Where are they going to fill that hole? And hopefully they can get it in free agency because, I mean, they're going to have a mid, mid-lottery mid draft pick probably. I mean, late, I mean, right after the lottery draft pick. So I, that's, that's always going to be the biggest thing. I mean, just upgrading their talent there. And I think they're going to be deep for years to come. And I think Terry Rozier is going to keep getting better. Yeah, I was one of those guys too, though that bash that trade at first and I was dead wrong and I'm I'm happy about it because Terry Rozier has been one of the best fourth quarter players over the last two years. Scary Terry baby yeah I mean look Hayward, Rozier, LaMelo Ball not a bad core to build off of if they can just find uh, you know a couple of the right ancillary players a good rim running big defensive rim protecting big that could be that could be fun man. I, I just got to give a shout out to if there's one player that surprised me more than anything this year, it's my guy, Andrew Wiggins, Kansas roots, Minnesota going the highs and lows. Yes. Offensively, he's still that roller coaster. I mean, outside improving on three people in golden state and casuals across the NBA, like this guy is so much better than he was in Minnesota. No, he's just playing in a structured system, so he's playing smart. That's the biggest difference. The dude knows how to play smart basketball, and he's getting way more open looks, so that's why his percentage went up. What's shocked me about Andrew Wiggins is the defensive player he's become. Like, literally, literally he's sub all NBA defense. (laughs) Golden State Warriors, if you would have told me before the year, that they were going to be a top five defense where they're at right now. I just said, hell no. Okay. Uh, Did you expect this team to even be what a top 15 defense? That's, I mean, I would have said top 20, top 25 before the year. You know, I mean, if I told you what I thought about their defense, I'd be lying because I didn't consider where golden state was going to rank on defense. It just didn't cross my mind. Anyways, I was going to say, I have to disagree with you uh, about, Wiggins not playing better. He's shooting, he's shooting his career high from three point percentage. I think it's like thirty seven or thirty eight. Uh, career high effective field yep. goal percentage. I'm pretty sure career high TS yeah. percentage. Getting open looks and taking yeah. better shots. So look, when when the when the Warriors got him, it just screamed like, oh, I could at the at worst case scenario, I could see him being Harrison Barnes. You know, um, I mean that's essentially who he is. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? But, but like Harrison Barnes on that team obviously helped them win a championship, right? So I think right. the difference is playing next to an all-time great, like Steph, not to say that Carl Anthony Towns isn't a great player, but it's just different. Not all-time, but yeah. yeah not There's Steph levels Curry. to this. And, um, and he's playing with a guy like Draymond Green. Like he's just playing with guys that know how to move the ball and guys that know how to take advantage of space. And so I think he is obviously benefiting from that. Um, when Golden State made the moves that they made on paper, it just looked like the type of team that would be good before Clay went down. But even after Clay went down, I mean, Draymond, Steph, Wiggins, I thought Ubre would, would offensively help them. Um, and then they got guys, just decent role players like Juan Toscano Anderson, um, Mulder, you know, just guys that they might not jump off the page to you, but I bet they're fan favorites, those types of things. Um, so, Shout out to Andrew Wiggins, man. It's, it's good to see him finally hitting a point in his career where he's fulfilling some of the expectations. Maybe not like all-star number one draft pick expectations, but he's a, I mean, what, he had like 37 or 40 the other night. Um, he's just a good compliment to Steph and Draymond, and he makes them more potent, flat out. So yeah, I, so, so as a point of reference, Harrison Barnes, I'd say – probably pretty close to equal on defense at his peak in Golden State, his third year there. Uh, But yes, he shot 40-41%, his best year in Golden State. Yes, volume was down a little bit from Wiggins, but he still averaged a couple more rebounds 
and uh, basically identical all the way across and better advanced ads. So yeah, you could you could definitely say they're basically the exact same player as who they were. Um, so yeah, but I, but I agree with you. Uh, a fun surprise on the season. Golden State's going to be a really dangerous play-in team, and I think Andrew Wiggins has a lot to do with that. So we'll see. He'll get a chance to be in the postseason again. The last time and only time he was in the postseason, he got thumped in five games by my Houston Rockets. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what he does. Hey, fellas. You know those days when you're flying across country in a middle seat or have a long drive to a road game? There may be a pillow or a blanket for you to sleep, headphones for you to drown out the noise, or even some reading material to kick back and help ease your mind. But what about the boys? That's right, the fellas. Our two best buds that are ride or die until the end. They're sitting there in the middle of the middle getting pressure cooked to oblivion. Who likes stepping off a plane into paradise feeling like you just mucked through the swamp? No one. Who likes hooping with deflated balls? No one. Thankfully, Manscaped is there to save the day. Try their crop preserver to prevent chafing and keep the boys game time ready. You already put deodorant under your arms. Why not where it really counts? Handle your package with care and get 20% off and free shipping with the code GNR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GNR. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. But look, man, uh, the final thing that we want to talk about and kind of expand on uh, is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook broke Oscar Robertson's triple-double record. I don't think anyone saw that coming years ago. Um, Even after he had that crazy MVP campaign, it still looked like, yo, it was the kind of thing where people were were thinking, is he going to be able to replicate this again and again and again and again? And the answer was yes. Yes, he will. Um, And he has. So shout out to him. Um, I've been really vocally against Russell Westbrook for a variety of reasons, and I don't budge on that stance because this is the, this is the style that he's been like, this is his game, right? He needs the ball in his hands. He knows how to score. He's very athletic and he has a nose for the ball. He will get to the ball on the boards. So he will get double digit rebounds and, you know, he's just so lightning quick and he charges downhill with such force and ferocity that he draws double teams. He draws attention. He draws help defenders and he knows how to kick it out. He's not like a tactical passer, like CP3 um, or like a think ahead of the play type passer. He moves first and reacts second. Um, but yes. with his, with his athletic gifts, man, he just, like I said, he draws attention and he knows how to kick it out. Um, I'm not that surprised to be honest, because like I said, this is his style. He's surrounded by Bradley Beal, surrounded by Davis Bertans. Like there, there's some shooters there, some guys to kick the ball to that will cash in those assists. And if you listen to our preseason um, predictions, I had Washington as a play-in team. I had Washington winning the, a play-in game to make the playoffs as an eight seed, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Go you back did. and listen to that. Yeah, you did. It's specifically because of this reason, because this is what Westbrook does. You give him the ball. You say, hey, we're going to ride you. You are our horse. We're going to ride you. And he takes that. Are you going to win a championship like that? No. Are you going to win a playoff series like that? Probably not. Uh, he hasn't since... Kevin Durant left him. Yes, he won a playoff series in the bubble, but he only played two, I think, two games with the Rockets. Um, So I don't even know if that really counts as far as the the substance of the discussion goes, but he's fun. He's exciting. Like if you're one of those middling teams, not even middling, if you're one of those sunk franchises like the Wizards, like Russell Westbrook is an electric shock, like a jolt to give you something to be excited about. Yeah, so looking looking back on Russell Westbrook, people say the dude's not necessarily a winner, okay? Well, let's think about this a little bit. There's levels to this, okay? The problem is with guys like Russell Westbrook, guys who fall into that, I don't know, at his peak, maybe he was a top 10 player, okay? Top eight, maybe he's number eight at his best season ever, um, seven or something. But the seven through 15, seven through 20 guys, The problem with this is, and I always say this about these type of players, they're comparing them to the top five. They're comparing them to a top three. They're comparing them to LeBron James. No, let's compare them to these other seven to 15 
type players, okay? Let's compare him to those players where he should be all time, the top 50, top 60, 75 players of all time, not the top 30, top 20, because he never proved he was one of those guys, okay? We've had a big enough sample size. So if you look at it like that, you can really appreciate who Russell Westbrook really is as a player. Yes, he's an incredible floor raiser. He's not a stealing raiser by any means. But at the same time, how many times has he really underachieved? And that's how I always look at players and their circumstances. Yes, he underachieved a lot in Oklahoma City. That's, that's where it all comes down. Other than that, I mean, with KD, with KD. I mean, him and Paul George, they lost to a, a great Portland team. Yes, they probably, those two are better talents, you would think, maybe on paper, but Paul George is as great as they think he is. No, but I didn't. I mean, Dame Lillard, I thought Dame was better than both those dudes. And I'm going to have to say, I can't let him off the hook for losing those playoff series, especially the one against Utah, especially because. Yes, yes, him and Paul George, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, the Utah one, for sure, absolutely. The dude's definitely underachieved quite a bit, but Houston, no, he did not underachieve. He, I mean, he was injured a little bit there, uh, but he also played a completely different brand of basketball for a while and then got back and lost to the Lakers, you know? Um, that's expected, okay? Now they're winning a lot of games when he's played in Washington off a butthole of a roster. It's terrible. It's terrible. And, yes, my biggest point of all of this is Russell Westbrook is, out of his 182 triple doubles, he's like 150 and 32 or something. Like, it's some insane number like that. Yes, he wins when he puts up a triple double normally. Uh, So they translate to wins. Yes, the guys get out of the way at times so he can get more rebounds. But you still have to be incredibly active and continually work. And he makes guys around him better sometimes. Um, not all the time, but enough, enough. So my question to you would be, is he the hardest guy to build a team around? Because I, I think he is. Yes, you can put a roster around anybody and win. Yes, if KD and Harden actually stayed together, yes, Russell would have won multiple titles. Okay, they would win multiple, absolutely. So Russ could win a championship. Anybody can win a championship if you're that good. It's just how hard is it to build a roster around you, and he might be the hardest guy. So I'll I'll say this. Um, I think he is difficult to build around, to build a contender around, because he needs the ball in his hands. And as a guy that, I mean, he was on – my team and I rooted for him for a whole season. Um, I'll give him, I'll cut him some slack because I, I think he was legitimately injured in the bubble against the Lakers, um, and he played really poorly in the bubble in the playoffs. And you know, I think it's because he was hurt and because he had COVID. So I'll let that go. But um, look, the the thing about him that's difficult is he the one season where he adjusted his game, which was with Houston. They they asked him to play a different way than he's used to playing. And it was tough for him at first. And then he really hit a stretch where it looked, it looked really good. Um, and that was the best team he's been on in his career other than when he was with KD. And it's been a while now. It's been five, what, five seasons without KD? So we have like a, a good sample. Oh, yeah, um, great samples. Right? And so it, the frustrating thing about him, and, and what did he do? He didn't like that. And he wanted to leave. I mean, it's reported, and that's, that's why he wanted to trade. He was like, look, I want to go back to playing the way I was playing. Give me right. the ball. Let me, let me do what I do because that's what I do. Um, and to his credit, you know, he's got Washington in the play in. Um, but I guess that's just what you have to ask yourself. Like you got Bradley Beal, the, the roster's not great. No, but you got Bradley Beal. But he's How do you... played with some <laughs> dynamite players. Let's like, if right. Yeah. He's played with Paul any... George. He's played with Paul George. He's played with James Harden, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. Yeah. Like that, that's dynamite. Literally, now, if you like... ask me, who are the best two players you can put around Russell Westbrook? It would have been Kevin Durant. And they made it as far as they could, the conference finals. If you can't win with KD, you probably can't win. Okay, you probably can't. And then you got Paul George would be next in line behind probably Kawhi Leonard for me. He would be. 
Paul George is one of the most versatile scorers well, of all well, time. But but you asked me a question though, so let me answer it though. So that's what's difficult. That's why he's difficult to, to build around is because when he's at his best, he's playing the way he's been playing this season, right? But it's just hard to win at a high at a high rate like that when he's got the ball that much because he just can't shoot very well and because he's so unpredictable. Um, I don't think he's got bad basketball IQ. I just don't think he's got good basketball IQ because the best high IQ basketball players, guys like James Harden, LeBron James, Chris Paul, so on and so forth, they know how to adjust for their weaknesses and beat you with it. Russ is just gonna Russ is just gonna cram down your throat what he knows how to cram down your throat. And to his credit, he's he's a great player. He's gonna get he's gonna break. He broke the triple double record. He does incredible things. He's dynamite. He's electric. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just so unpredictable. Even like I said, even when I rooted for him, it was so unpredictable. There were so many moments where I was like, when he had the ball in in, in crunch time, I didn't know what the hell he was gonna do with it. You know, and I didn't know what to trust. You just have to hold your breath and wait. Um, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just one of the, it's, it's that conundrum. It's like Iverson. Um, it, it's like Iverson if Iverson never had the 01 season, you know? Yeah. So, so let, let me ask you this. I mean, where would Russ stack up all time just point guard wise for you? Because I personally think he's somewhere in the 7 to 12 range. Um, let me just read you off my list, and it'll be a little easier for you. Um, you go Magic, Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, Oscar Robertson, and then Chris Paul. And then Russ is right in the discussion with him and Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. I, I have Russ behind Jason Kidd. Nash is the big question mark for me. He really is. I would put Nash and Kidd ahead of him from the perspective of winning. Because I trust, again, high IQ. Those guys knew how to right. adjust for their strengths and weaknesses. And defense on and defense kid, for, for, for kid. For kid. For kid. Yeah. Those guys knew how to adjust for their strengths and weaknesses to fit the talent around them. Russ is a better individual player than them statistically. Like just as like a one-on-one guy, maybe not Nash, if Nash decided to continue to shoot at like a high rate. Um, Russ has like the athletic gifts. He's just like, if you were to play Russell, Russell Westbrook one-on-one, he'd torch you, I would imagine. Um, compared to those two guys, but in the context of playing team basketball, you know, picking your spots, knowing when to make that skip pass to the guy in the corner, knowing when to, you know, call for a pick and roll, depending on the coverage, things like that. Um, playing with purpose and intention instead of just going downhill and cramming it down their throat. Those are the differences, right? So a lot of people would be like, oh, "Are you crazy? Look at the stats." Right. You'd be right. You'd be right about that. But like I said. When it comes to picking your spots, when, when it comes to a playoff series and people are purposely scheming for your weaknesses to be exposed, can he overcome that and win? And so far, we haven't seen it unless he's with Kevin Durant and James Harden, literally. Um, and that, so I think seven to 12 sounds right, maybe eight or nine. Um, I'm trying to think, would you count Iverson as a point guard? No, I don't. I, he's a two guard for me. So the big thing with Kid is, yes, Russ has nine time All NBA, and it's always the MVP for him. Hey, hey, um, don't forget, over, don't forget guys like Tony Parker, um, maybe so, maybe Chauncey Billups. Yeah, those guys are below for sure for me. I mean, the the other guys in question maybe would be Gary Payton, Walt Frazier, and then maybe Damian Lillard. Oh, Dame is coming. Okay, okay, okay. Gary Payton for sure. Really? No question, dude. Gary Payton. Went well, to we the both final... agree on kid. Are you, would, went to the would finals... you go Russ or Nash first of all? Before we, because I, I go Russ for me. I think I'd go. You go like I'd say. I think I'd say Nash. You just have to think. I... Who who would you want on your team in their prime? You want Russell Westbrook or you want Steve Nash? Here's the thing. If my team's starting from scratch, if my team's zero. I want Russell Westbrook. If I know who the players are and they're good players, I'm going to go Steve Nash all day, every day. And, and I they're agree bad with players. And I agree with that. And that gets to the point that you're talking about. Westbrook is the floor raiser, right? Like I said, he's the yeah. guy, like, if you don't know who's on your team or if you're like some sunk franchise like Washington, you just stick Westbrook on there. You can guarantee that you're going to fight for a playoff spot and you're going to have some fun watching that guy go full speed for your team, right? But if you know a couple of the pieces there and you really want to win, you're going to pick Steve Nash. Um, and that, that's like, that's the conundrum of Westbrook. And that's why he gets, 
judge the way he does, you know, like everything I've talked about. I mean, as a one man show, he's wild, dude. It's incredible. <laughs> um, but basketball is not a one man show. And that that's kind of the wrinkle. That's it. And it's, yeah, it's hard building that team around him. And at the I, end I would of the day, also, it's a team sport. <laughs> I would also take Damian Lillard. Um, I do too. I do too. Uh, it, but I need, I need one more run out of Dame. I really do. Do you, man? I mean, what is I, I, I do. Dame, I just Dame's, need one, one more gone. second round appearance. Give me one more second round appearance. But Westbrook has none without Harden and KD. Damien's so got him with, with some hear me guys here. that are not on those levels. Russ and has nine, got, nine times all got, NBA. Dame is got, five. And Russ yeah. has the MVP. That's, that's what does it for me. I need two yeah. more. I need two more all NBA. Yes, Dame's going to be six this year. Yeah, but there, there's year. a difference. There's a difference between, okay, let's look at their Wikipedia page. No, it matters, it. man. Hold up, hold up, hold up. There's a difference between their Wikipedia page and their basketball reference page. And then, like you said, like if, it, if the guy, if you're picking a player for your team, you know, because yes. when the chips are down, like, like I said, dude, Westbrook will run up and for down. Sure. And Dame's the chip. better player. Absolutely. Dame's the better player. But when you're combining, when you're making an all-time list, like at my point guards list all time, you got to combine career, which is your accolades, a big part of that. And like the gap isn't large enough yet is what I'm getting at from Damian Lord being a better player and everything Russell Westbrook's accomplished. And I don't, and I don't disagree with that. So that, that's what I'm saying. It just depends on the conversation you're having, which is why Twitter is, can be such a hellhole sometimes, right? People are judging by different standards, right? If you're, if you're doing like a comprehensive career accomplishments type thing, you have a great argument and I'm not going to knock Russ for that. But like I said, if I'm picking who I want on my team going into battle in the playoffs, then it becomes a different discussion, you know, oh, yeah. I can, tr I can trust that I know what certain guys are going to do versus what other guys are going to do. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up as always. Thanks for listening. Rate, subscribe, follow, all that stuff for the next time.